Don't you turn against me. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. You thunder against me! You have done that yourself! Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. Hello, and welcome to Who Shot First, a Star Wars controversy podcast. Your one-stop shop for all controversies that have plagued the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Alex, and with me is our other host, Ethan. And today we'll be talking about the very touchy subject for many Star Wars fans, The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. 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 So, <laughs> that's our topic for today. Which was very interesting because the little bit of research I've done about it, or I've done a lot of research, but a little bit of the research I've done, it wasn't that controversial when it first came out. Right, at the time? Yeah, most people just didn't like it. Yeah. That, and now it's changed. Now it's evolved. That's it. So. Well, yes. <laughs> and I think that's interesting how, that, how that's changed over the years. Yeah. So this is where the fun begins. We can start off with the uh, the big question: Do you like the Phantom Menace? Well, yes and no. I am one of those people who I don't hate it. I think that you know, I'm one of the I'm in the camp where I saw it when I was younger, so I didn't realize just how bad it was upon initial viewing. But as I as I grew up. I realized, you know, how flawed it is and how boring it is at times. But I think there's just part of me that uh, I, I've never grown to hate it. I certainly, it's not as, I certainly know it's, it's a bad movie, but I, it's, enter, it's still entertaining for me to go back and watch. Okay. Regardless of its, of its flaws. Okay. That's good because I will say I struggled to watch that movie. It the is, first time you ever saw it, or not the first time? I mean, again, I think when I first saw it, it didn't jump out at me as like this is awesome. Yeah. Sorry, did so, you, did you see mean, it in like, theaters? Uh, I might have. I think I did. Okay. I don't particularly. It wasn't like memorable to me, so yeah. I didn't. I mean, like I had it on VHS, and I had Attack of the Clones on VHS and stuff like that, but like. I would say it was just a movie as a kid. It was just like, okay, okay it's there. I would say uh, the thing that I, and like, I would say, I guess I watched it more, but I watched it for the last battle. And right, the last in particular, ten- the, the lightsaber duel, because that is just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah, so that, <laughs> the, I mean, and the, the soundtrack is phenomenal for me too. So yes, I, yeah. But now going back and watching, it's it's tough for me mm-hmm. just because there's stuff that I see that is problematic and boring for me. Like, I'm just like... In I'm terms bored. of plot holes or just like... Oh, like there's a lot. Like, we'll, we'll yeah. go into it. But like for me, and again, like I, I will... I don't fault a lot of people for their love of it and stuff like that. And so like... I'm going to be actually putting out like a lot of good things because this is one episode where there's a lot more, I would say, good things than bad things about it. Like yeah. there's, and, and we're going to go more deep, go deeper into the bad things. I would not bad, but like the things that like people didn't like in more of like a in-depth evaluation. Like we're going to go into Jar Jar as a whole separate. So like we'll talk about him a little bit, but He's a whole separate episode. Midichlorians okay. are a whole separate episode. <laughs> All um, right. Good. Good call. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah. yeah. So it's like so we so we're not bogged down with those like big specific controversies. But I mean, like, especially nowadays and stuff like that. I'm like, I see a lot of racist pieces in Phantom Menace. Oh. Um, I see, and again, I'll go more into that later. But like. I see Jar Jar Binks as a racist character. I see the uh, Nemoidians as racist characters. Now, 
Do I think that George was specifically like, yes, I'm going to be racist to these things? No. I think, honestly, a lot of it is the, a lot of what we're dealing with society right now of just like the white ignorance of just like, he's like, this is cool. And like, this is how I want him to look and stuff like that. Cause I've done a lot of research into certain stuff, but like Nemoidian, cause we don't, Nemoidians aren't getting their own episode, but like the Nemoidians have a very Asian accent and oh. their eyes are slits and like, they, and it's so it's, it's it's there's pieces of it that are just like this is this is and and they're backstabbing and, and I'm just like there's pieces here that shouldn't be here George so that's that's my views on it I see a lot of the positives that people get out of it it's just not I don't think just my not my cup of tea so the movie as a whole is not your cup of tea correct correct yeah. I will say it, it introduces one of my favorite characters of all time in Star Wars, Darth Maul, but he is tragically, tragically misused. Yeah, well, right. um, <laughs> Yeah, so those are my thoughts on it. I'm going to give, we're going to start off with the positives. So, and there's a bunch of them. Okay. So I'm going to, we're going to go, yeah. we can dive right into that section right now. Sure. I got a bad feeling about this. So a big positive that a lot of people have for Phantom Menace is similar to the 1997 re-releases that many people see that the Phantom Menace introduced a new generation of kids to the Star Wars universe. Right. So a journalist, Martha Soren states, the prequel allowed to allowed me to access the series from the point of view of a character my own age in nine-year-old Anakin. This is a fun special effects filled kids movie. Don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy the ride. There is a generation who genuinely giggled at Jar Jar Binks's insufferable antics. <laughs> so Martha obviously really enjoyed it and she was of age uh, when, when it came out. So she identified with Anakin. I was, I was his age when it came out as well, but I didn't really identify with him. So right. that, was, that wasn't my connection. Roger Ebert, though, the, the, the famous film critic, even saw good potential in the film. When he reviewed it, he said, it is the epitome of Star Wars. The importance of the movies comes from their energy, their sense of fun, their colorful inventions, and their state-of-the-art special effects. So that was, that was Roger Ebert saying amazing things about it. Yeah. And, yeah, so... Another, uh, through Forbes, um, did an article about the Phantom Menace in uh, 2019, uh, and it's looking back at, by Scott Mendelson, and it was, talks about Star Wars, Phantom Menace at 20, because the 20th anniversary, 20th anniversary was uh, last year. Wow. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, so he states that one film was a cinematic breakthrough and launched the fandom of a hundred million would-be movie lovers. The Phantom Menace was always intended as a gateway drug, a kid-friendly space opera designed to snag young audiences into the world of Star Wars just as it was reborn. Those are a bunch of people saying that they, they really enjoyed Star Wars as a gateway into the fandom. I can, uh, yeah, I mean, so that's, that's the, I mean, the, the camp I'm sort of in, where when I saw it, I was young enough to right, be infatuated with the special effects and, and, you know, all of the awesome action scenes when they occurred, but I don't, I don't attribute my fascination and new love of Star Wars to that movie. I was certainly young enough to be caught up with it and... I don't know. I'm losing my train of thought here. No, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it reinvigorated Star Wars. I'll say, like, yeah. when I was a kid, like, I think with 99 and stuff like that, when Phantom Menace came out, they started re-releasing toys and, like, the micro-machines right. and that kind of stuff. So that's, so, of the older movies, so there was a, a bigger, like, ability to have those things. Yeah. So, I think, again, didn't, um, yeah. didn't, didn't Lego Star Wars come out start to come out right around then didn't lego start introducing 
like Lego Star Star Wars Legos, yes. They started yes. oh yeah. yeah. They came out around this time. The the game hadn't started yet. That was no, that was no. down. Yeah. But no, yeah. The Star Wars Legos are a huge, huge thing that fans love and are are all about. I have a number of friends who have are spending quite a bit of money on all on on Star Wars Legos. Like seven hundred dollars so, for Oh, not that high, no, no. But oh, okay. like three hundred dollars on a wow. set. Yeah. It's like a like one of those like ultimate collector series ones. No, uh, they 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 actually just bought the ghost from uh, there's a Rebels. Three, there's a three hundred dollar ghost out there. It's originally it's only a hundred and fifty or whatever, but because it's so limited, like it's not produced anymore. Ah, they, they got it off eBay, um, and they got it actually a really nice deal because they got like both phantoms with it and everything. Okay, well. Uh, to each his own. I would, if I was going to invest that much in a Lego set, I would want it to be like a Ultimate Collector series or something that what I. Is, could... I don't know what that is. What does it? Mean? Oh, that's so. That's like the that's the one specifically for older teens and adults. Those are the ones that are. It's just a detailed model set. Oh, so, okay. Well, I mean, that's what this. That's what uh, is. What can I say? This is my girlfriend. She bought this. So, oh, did she? Yes. But yeah, no, she, she did because she's super into Star Wars too. And, right. And she, but again, it's the ghost. It's, they are like models. It's not, they're not like the kid toy version. Oh, they're, they're like not. The, oh. I mean, like they're, they're toys. Okay. Like you can play with them still, but it's not, it's not like a ginormous like set, but I'm like, it's a small yeah. little, it's a small little ghost, but like it's detailed. So no, okay. It's sure. like the the hundred and fifty dollar, like Millennium Falcon or whatever that you can yeah. like open up and you can sort of play with. You can't move it around, but like that kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Shout out to my girlfriend. <laughs> well, doesn't she have a special? Con- doesn't she have a special connection or or appreciation for Rebels? Yes. I thought she. Was- oh yeah. 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 We both are big fans of Rebels. That's actually the first Star Wars thing we ever watched together. She showed. She introduced me to Rebels. So was that okay? So you started with season one, episode one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, started a couple episodes. So nice. We might get her on the podcast. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> so that's again gateway for everybody else. Yeah. A big thing that a lot of people really liked about Phantom Menace was the pod racing. Really? Yes. Hmm. Were you not a fan of the pod racing? Well, I guess I was I was a fan of the pod racing, just I felt it was too long, maybe. I got bored with it as as it progressed. I will I will mention something. Again, the DVD version of the of the pod racing is longer than the theatrical cut. Is it really? They extend it is, the pod they, race? He extends it. And it actually wow. makes a little more sense. Okay. Because I I recently watched that and I had never seen I had not seen Phantom Menace in decades. Because I'm just like decades? It oh, it's just not wow. Not like I'll watch the clip. I'll watch like yeah. clips of it. Like I'll watch the clip of, but like no, it had been like a decade I since you had actually watched since it. Since I actually to watched the whole, from from beginning to end. I'm just like I don't, okay. I don't need this movie. But I'll say. I can understand that, like, yeah, it's a long, because it's a lot longer than it was originally, but I will say mm-hmm. it makes the scene make more sense. Like, it makes okay. the pod race make more sense in and of itself. I uh, To me, it still doesn't necessarily fit in the film, but yeah. the scene itself makes sense. But a lot of people really liked the pod racing, and basically it, it, it shows George Lucas's love affair for old-school hot rod cars. <laughs> yeah because like he did american graffiti and he did that with their and according to bustle.com an article that's entitled phantom menace is the best star wars movie i'm only kind of afraid to admit so <laughs> great they, that, that yeah. person really likes it and uh, basically said it's a modern day grease streetcar race and everything from the scenery to the vehicles to the special effects are excellent so I will say the sound engineering on the pod race is phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's, it sounds amazing. So, but yeah, no, a lot of people really like the pod, the pod racing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like, I didn't dislike it. It was just, you know, I, 
it was just, yeah, for me, it was too long and I just didn't really, it was, I guess they were trying to be, you know, suspenseful in this intense race, but I just didn't feel that, I guess. I didn't yeah. really, uh, I didn't really feel like it was high stakes because I knew that Anakin would win. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, you know, he can't lose because if he loses, can't lose. then. Yeah, then he's stuck movies there. Over. <laughs> and movie's yeah. over. Series over. Yeah. Yeah. So also going along with the uh the pod racing of like the, the different aspect of another big piece is it gives a bigger galaxy. Like it expands the galaxy. Yeah. In terms of species um, so, or what? In terms of like species or in terms like... of like locations. And and like because, like, we know it's Star Wars, but, like, in the original trilogy, you're kind of, each movie is kind of set on, like, one or two planets. Yeah, but we were introduced to Tatooine before episode right. one. <clears throat> right. But, like, the so the argument is, like, it introduced you to Curson, which okay. is the huge, like, huge part of it. And it introduces you to, like, the Senate, which then while not necessarily expanding you seeing the worlds, but you're looking at this and you're like, there are thousands of worlds out there. Ah, okay. And like, there are gotcha. like, and so you see all these different species and you're like, they all come from a different world yeah. um, and stuff like that. And so in this article about, from the Daily Dot about the Phantom Menace, uh, it says, by introducing us to the Galactic Senate only mentioned in previous films, we see just how many systems and groups were a part of it. And thanks to Palpatine, how the political system can be manipulated. So also is it's, it's a lot of that. It's just, it, it, it's, it shows you a bigger galaxy. It shows you a lot of different cool pieces to it. Then the, the article also states the movie was about new things to look at. So hence the stunning vistas of Naboo, the surprising number mm. of practical effects, none of those ships are computer generated, the highly experimental foray into all CGI characters, and Queen Amidala's iconic outfit inspired by the Mongolian royal costumery. The Phantom Menace answers all these questions and does it plausibly. There is a pleasing narrative arc from our first encounter with the young Anakin to his final transformation into Vader. So it kind of, it kind of basically the argument of a greater galaxy and answers a lot of the questions that I would say not were not really questions, but like that people were wondering about. So like the what's the Senate look like? Like where? Wow. Like what is this this Senate that they're talking about? And what right. are the Jedi? And what are these? cool interesting like who is anakin and where did he come from like how do we we know we didn't know he was from tat we know or no did we know he was all we knew was his name no all we knew was yeah we never we never knew he was from Tatooine. so you're just like Uh -uh. so i mean like you learn oh my gosh luke is living on the same place that his his dad lived like right yeah the only thing we know about anakin from the original is just his name and that, yeah, he was just a Jedi during the Clone Wars, of which we and, know nothing about. And he was Obi Wan's apprentice. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And and that's it. So. Yep. That's it. So that's the that's the yeah. big argument there is that like it it exp- it it plausibly answers a lot of these. I wouldn't even say they're questions. It's just it, these unknowns that we yeah. didn't know, and it kind of is just like it gives you these answers, and you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Right. So similar to like answering the the cool ideas thing is jedi are really cool apparently mm. according to a lot of people they really like the jedi i will i will say uh qui-gon jinn is awesome i really like qui-gon jinn oh like he, he, absolutely. he's one of my favorites so yeah that was really nice to have him so he's i would say he's really cool but so according to joe.com article written about the phantom menace at 20 years uh, it takes pretty much the whole movie to get to the showdown between Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Darth Maul. But it's worth the wait. The fight is well-designed and choreographed, the stakes high, the payoff genuinely shocked, and the music, good lord, the music. Duel of Fates <laughs> got its debut here, and there's a reason it got out of this project, not only unscathed, but beloved. 
So it we see cool Jedi action. And like I will fully admit that lightsaber battle is one of the best, if not the best, lightsaber duel in Star Wars. Oh yeah. And I mean just to just to you know have that's that's the first lightsaber duel we re- we see since Return of the Jedi and just yeah. how different it is, how how much more choreographed and and fast paced and intense it is. And just with like the special effects and everything else, but I think it's the intensity and that, the, that was mostly non special that was that was mostly practical. Like they trained the oh, yeah. heck out of it. So like the fact that that's just all choreographed, that's not like let's animate these people together. Like it's right people doing crazy flips and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, and it, right, it kind of shows the force power, force abilities a little bit more. I think that's the first time you see the force jump. Um, yes. Yeah, that kind of thing. Well, not actually. Like it, it, it's it's one. It's the first time you see it in plain view because I'll just side tangent. You actually see the force jump in Empire Strikes Back when Luke jumps out of the carbonite pit. But like yeah. it just happens so fast, you're like you don't know if that's a force jump or whatever. But okay. Um, but yes, right. no. Like it, it introduces us to Star Wars like force abilities used yeah. in a, in a fight. Yes. Because yeah, there's it's not really used. I mean, like Obi Wan gets knocked back with a force push. I'll say that the force push is the first time that's ever used. Yes. Because I, I mean, I like, so. Vader pulls stuff and, like, throws stuff. But, like, it's right, an actual so, push. That's right. Because Luke doesn't actually get pushed out the window. He gets sucked out. He gets bl- sucked out the and, window, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, I mean, like, it's just and, – and to me, like, that's so cool how that affects people. Because, I mean, like, it's a little push. Like, he doesn't really do much. But you're just like, oh, my yeah. gosh, that's so cool. Oh, totally. And then yeah. and then Obi-Wan, like, jumping over the top of, of Maul and stuff like that. You're yeah. like, yep, he didn't do that normally. That's a, that's a force push. <laughs> or a force force <laughs> yeah. jump or whatever. But right. So that was really cool. Also, the Guardian wrote about this in, in cool Jedi stuff. And yeah. the scene in which Qui-Gon and his apprentice fend off lights, laser fire from the Federation's droidica using only their lightsabers has really been equaled in Star Wars. So they, they really like the, the droidica, the droidica t- attack. Yeah. Which doesn't, it's not actually that long. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, it hasn't been equal, but it's, it's a pretty cool scene. Yeah. I don't know. I, right. I, I, it seems a little. I would say drastic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they also use whatever force ju- or not jump, but force, you know, speed when they dodge that initial blast at the end. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, cuz like I'll I'll say like and yeah, no, I would agree. So but like just the expansion of 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 force powers is really is a really cool thing that a lot of people like and I'll say I even I even enjoyed the expansion of it. Also, another daily dot episode article says the Jedi Council, we find out how they worked within the Republic and how a code established precedents like the number of padwans a master could have. The diversity of the council gives us a better idea of how anyone in the galaxy could be a Jedi and offers a sense of sheer size of the order. Because yeah, there's there's what, like twelve members? Of the council? I don't even know. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. At least twelve. At least twelve, yeah. And then kind of going into that, a big positive that a lot of people have is the introduction of, of cool characters. So the big one that we've already, already sort of talked about a little bit is uh, Darth Maul. Yep. Darth Maul's amazing. He's played by an actual like martial arts expert with a double-bladed lightsaber that like just makes you so... Nobody had ever seen that before. Yeah. And you're just like, a double-bladed lightsaber! Ah! Totally. So it made him so cool. And especially, and the reveal of that double-bladed lightsaber is... Is legit. It's, that, it's right. masterful again. Yeah, that one. When he uses, right? Because when he uses it the first time, he only uses one side. So you're like, right? Oh, it's a red lightsaber. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, 
some people say like he's easily the most kinetic character in the whole saga of just like he's the most easily to identify and relate to and just like of movement and just like that's why everybody still loves him and that's why he yeah. literally got brought back in Clone Wars because everybody right. was so disappointed in his death right because I think originally it was never right it was never the plan to like bring him back until like this fan oh no it had nothing it had no we'll we'll, we'll go into that a little more but no they they brought him back because the Clone Wars TV show was failing really the the ratings were bad and so they brought back Maul and basically Maul kind of saved the series that's (laughs) that's interesting I did not realize that Uh, but okay. along those lines of like Maul manages to make an impression as a amazing, awesome, really cool looking villain because he has so few lines of dialogue and his double bladed lights. Like he literally has two lines of dialogue. <clears throat> he says like, at last yep. we'll reveal ourselves. At last we'll have a revenge. And then he says, yes, my master. And I think that's it. Yeah. Certainly nothing bigger than those lines those are his big lines yeah no yeah you're right yeah yeah no darth maul awesome love a lot of people really like this is again the introduction of padme a lot Mm -hmm. of people like padme so padme we see her as a strong capable leader of her people she may be young but she is not intimidated by those around her whether it's the trade federation the jedi or the senate is she supposed to be 14 yes Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Amidala is willing to do whatever it takes for her people, even risk her own life. So, and that comes from the Daily Dot again, the same, that same article. But yeah, no, she's yeah. only 14 and Anakin is nine. So that relationship's great, but <laughs> we'll talk more about that later. A minor, like, really cool thing, though, and I'm not sure if you know this. You know, uh, back to our wonderful Phantom Menace is the Best Star Wars Movie article, uh, he, <laughs> they, they talk a lot about Amidala. Amidala is a queen of Naboo, and she is so invested in her planet that she occasionally swaps places with her handmaiden so she can get her hands dirty in the affairs of her people. She was right. a strong leader and a dedicated public servant, and she wasn't about to let her title or gender stop her from being in the action. Because, yeah, a lot of people see her as a, I wouldn't say feminist icon, but, like, a strong female character in this in this film because she is coming up with these plans and she's running around doing all these things that right. you don't realize she's, she's doing, which is really interesting, until the reveal at the end that she's been running around as a, a handmaiden. Oh, but, yeah. And she's uh, been, well, right, and she's been leading these people. You know, especially right. in the and last she, battle and stuff. Uh, yeah, and like she's she, and it's very interesting because like I like one of her lines. I like it more as I've as I get older because like as a kid, yeah. like it doesn't make sense. But like she states, like I will not choose a course of action that will lead us to war. And then she's invaded, and then she doesn't really say like I'm going to go to war, but she's willing to put her life at risk and she fights and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, so. I want to protect my people and it's her people that are, are who she's trying to protect. Yeah. But yeah. So, and then there's two more characters that we get to bring up with Palpatine. Yeah. The introduction of Palpatine. Everybody loves Ian McDermott. Everybody. Absolutely. Um, He did a, they, they like, they really like his, his delivery of everything. And so according to the same article, uh, Ian McDermott, who finally gets to step out from behind the gnarly makeup of the Emperor. McDermott does a brilliant job of playing both Senator Palpatine and Darth Sidious. As Palpatine, he manages to pull off the outward, helpful Senator while giving you chills as his evil undertones come through in lines like, I will be Chancellor and will be watching your career with great interest. Yeah, absolutely. And you're like, ooh, these are... <laughs> At first glance, you're like, oh, okay, that's just a random line. But then as you learn more and you go back and, and watch it, you're like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Not a good person. Planting the seeds early. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I literally cannot find anybody say anything bad about McDermott, to be honest. I don't like, know that's what, a, what, right. What could their argument be, really? You know, I, I, I think he played it, you know, perfectly. That, like they were saying in the article, that, that balance between this friendly, you know, senator, like everything's fine, and then also playing – you know, he can sort of switch into this dark side Sith mode. It's uh, very sociopathic. Yes. Oh, absolutely. He's absolutely, he's a yeah. Sith. Of course he's a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just find that interesting too, because this was still, in Phantom Menace, they were still debate, like trying to keep it semi-secret who Sidious was. Oh, really? Like, oh yeah. Like they did not tell you that, Palpatine was because if you if you remember like Palpatine is never said to be the emperor's name in the original trilogy he's only referenced as the emperor oh right yeah so nobody knew who he was so it's like so he was they were still trying to play a little coy of who's this Palpatine guy and and then they're like oh I wonder who this dark mysterious character is going to be by Attack of the Clones that's gone Oh, yeah. They got rid of that because, yeah. Yeah. So. (laughs) But another great character that was introduced, because I'll I'll just throw a minor thing of like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, great character in the prequels. Phantom Menace, he's not very good. So I will say, go ahead. uh, What's your argument for him not being very good? He's wooden. He's very wooden. Oh, oh, like it, okay. I, to me, it's like he's the apprentice. He doesn't know, but again, like that's so. And and I haven't found it very many people like with the research and everything. Like he's not one of the characters that people are like in Phantom Menace specifically. Later on, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, but, like in Phantom Menace specifically, they're not like oh man, Obi Wan Kenobi was so good. Now right. they are talking about who was so good, Qui Gon Jinn. Oh yeah. Because he was a different type of Jedi, willing to go against his fellow Jedi and masters and follow his instincts. Through him, we see the role of a true Jedi master in the time of the Republic was like as they clash about their beliefs. Right. Well, and technically, technically, wasn't he not considered, he wasn't technically a master, right? He wasn't on the council. No, he was not. He's not a master. He's he's a Jedi. Right. No, yeah. So yeah. his fellow Jedi and his the Jedi masters. No, yeah. But he's that he's at that master skill level. Just doesn't technically have the title. He doesn't have the title because because uh, in later information and and I mean like Obi Wan even says it of like if you didn't in the movie he says like if you weren't so outspoken like you'd be on the council. In later in current canon like Disney canon and stuff like he's been offered or has been close to being offered a spot on the council. No, he is. He actually is. He has been offered a spot on the council and he turns it down. Okay. So, so basically it's, it's again, that's kind of weird to me of like, why do you have to be a master? Like, why can you only be a master if you're on the council? Like, why can't you be a master off doing other things? So, right. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. So do you have anything else positive you'd like to, to bring up? About the Phantom Menace? Um, yeah, I mean, no, I think that uh, I think we covered all the positive things. If I if I think of something, I'll throw it in at the end and something. Make me edit it in. Yeah, that's right. Make okay. you do some flip flopping. <laughs> uh, well, actually, so there is one last positive because I'll say this because this is also a positive and a negative. Uh, a lot of people like the politics. They like really? seeing, uh, yeah, they're especially my, my friend's fiance, uh, Shamin really likes the politics of every, of all the prequels. And I, I might get him on, on the podcast too, to talk about this a little bit. Okay. He really likes the politics and he'll explain I'd be interested that. To hear that. Yeah. He, he'll, yeah. he likes explaining all the politics, but with that, we are going to dive into our next section of oh. the things that people don't really like. <laughs> like the Senate season second or uh, like the Senate sections? <laughs> yeah. So like the politics. I got a bad feeling about this. So we can actually just dive into the politics part. According to Screen Rant, 
in order for the empire to rise and suppress any possible rebellion, there needs to be all kinds of political maneuvering behind the scenes. George Lucas just isn't that kind of writer. The wheeling and dealing that happens during episode one and the rest of the prequels is just ridiculous. <laughs> Lucas's determination to render the political bureaucracy in excruciating detail meant endless scenes of galactic senate and tedious discussions at the Jedi Council. Yeah, that basically sums up all of the poor reception of politics in the Phantom Menace. Of like, yeah, it's literally we're 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 talking about a trade dispute. Yes. The whole exactly. movie is based off of a trade dispute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We, we keep talking about it and it leads to a war over a trade dispute, blockading a planet. So yeah, that's, that's a good, good spot. So yeah, it's, there's the politics and that's where the big, the big argument of like, because there's the, the biggest, the big argument is that Jar Jar, or that like the whole prequel, like Phantom Menace, like it's a movie for kids. It's Star Wars for kids. And I don't deny that. Like, I very much agree. But the argument against that is that, like, why would kids care about politics? Exactly. What? Why would they care about this much in-depth detail yes. about politics yeah. and political maneuvering? And Right. And, and the language they use to talk about the trade and, you know, politics and stuff is, is not language for a, that a young child is going to understand right away or be able to necessarily follow along with perfectly yeah yeah it's just it's politics and it's wonderful yeah. <laughs> not really actually a lot of people don't like it but there are yeah. people who do so th there's actually a podcast that i'm listening to or i i have been listening to called beltway banthas beltway banthas mm. is going to get a shout out and it's a it's a star wars and politics podcast and so you might be interested it's uh, by a guy named stephen kent and he's a libertarian, but he gets a lot of Democrats. Like when it starts off, it's him and another guy who's very liberal, and they both kind of like just talk about the politics of Star Wars. Very interesting podcast. It's going through changes right now because um, he he keeps losing his hosts. Oh, <laughs> but like they keep they keep moving on to better different things. But he goes into it, and I'm like, as an adult, that sounds interesting, and it's list interesting listening to him. But I'm just like, this is not. This is not something the kids are going to be diving into. Right. Well, exactly. So. Yeah. But, and Right. It's boring for kids. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Next, we get to dive into uh, the poor acting slash writing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people claim that it's just really, really awful acting. In some cases, yes. And from what I've heard and from what I'm seeing more longs i don't necessarily think that's the case i think it's more poor writing yeah because because um, like according to according to screen rant accomplished actors such as liam neeson samuel l jackson ian mcdermott ewan <laughs> mcgregor natalie Portman, natalie yeah like accomplished actors and actresses all of them stumbled over their words and acted like they were kids playing Star Wars in their backyards. <laughs> so like the act, like the writing and everything was, and I'll, and I'll just say like, this is not a me personal thing. But like the writing was so bad for Natalie Portman's character. She almost didn't continue to act. Yeah. She, like she could not get jobs after the prequel movies. Well, right. I remember, I remember like reading about how she was kind of like pigeonholed as this, as this queen giving these bad or these well, is, like, is, yeah. Yeah. These, this, you know, dry lines or these bad dialogue in this. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just, it's not, it's super technical. And again, I'm actually going to go, we're going to actually go into a, a, a whole separate episode about dialogue. Okay. In in Star Wars, it might and I, it's going to focus a little more right now. It's focusing on Clone Wars, but it'll probably yeah. dive elsewhere. But basically, with the uh, with this, it's also the poor acting, poor but with poor writing because 
what you have to know is like a lot of these actors are not acting against anybody. They're acting against a tennis ball because oh, of the oh, yeah. CGI. Like, right. so it's, it's really hard to act against something. According to The Guardian, it merely had George Lucas telling these actors where to look and how to react since everything except the actors was a green screen. So they had no idea where they were and everything. Yeah. In the early days of screen screen, green screen work, it was a little rough to act with feeling. Right. The problem is that they also removed much of the sense of mystery and enigma that surrounded those early films, as well as the classic adventure serial veneer that made them so alluring. So that's, again, a, a writing issue of, like, it's so technical. Yeah. Um, it's so technical and talking and, and everything. It's not like, oh, cool, let's run and randomly go look at this. It's, we're going to talk, we're going to talk, we're going to talk. And so like <laughs> talking, it's not acting. It's not moving. Yeah. A big story problem, but the, so according to The Guardian, the most prominent story problem, if not the most important one, is that Anakin saves the day entirely by accident. Yes. At the very end of the movie, when mm -hmm. he blows up the Control when he blows ship. up the Trade Federation so, ship, it's, it's the, a complete yeah, loop, total accident. Yeah. And it's That's just, a good it's point. Like, it's just <laughs> just a total fluke. And he's just like, I don't know, like nothing's dead. Like, oh, I wonder how to do this. And you're just like, he doesn't know how like it's not strong he's he's not building a strong it's not like he's using his yeah. force powers or anything yeah or like his he's the chosen one it's just like you <laughs> randomly hit buttons i'm pressing and, buttons man yeah <laughs> and randomly hit out hit the the main reactor this is a total right. sidebar but who stupidly puts their main reactor right next to their hangar like nobody does that well also that's the thing though those proton torpedoes they traveled a long way like without being like hit, hitting anything without hitting something else yeah 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 right it, <laughs> so yeah, those lucre hulks were not very well designed no and like it just and again according to forbes it lacks any real character arc for any of its major players yeah i agree because they, they don't grow there's nobody there's no growing at all because like the closest you could say I would say is Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he's not a major player. Like he's in the background the entire movie. Yeah. But like he goes from apprentice to master and you're like, or not apprentice, to master, but apprentice to Jedi. And right. you're like, well, is he, you barely know him. In, in, in episode two, is he, uh, is he on the council yet? No, no, he's just a knight, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's just like, there's no, like even Natalie Portman, doesn't really grow as a character like because we don't really know her in the beginning and right. there's no there's no change it's 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 troubling to say the least yes and the most significant character issue in in phantom menace again if not the most important one is that jake lloyd is not especially compelling as anakin skywalker in a, in a documentary nope. that i actually watched like this was his first acting gig this was this was before Jingle All the Way? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought Jingle All the Way came first. But, huh. Nope. This is his first... Or maybe... maybe It might have been... Maybe Jingle All the Way came first. But this was like his one of his first movies. Because I think he did Jingle All the Way and Phantom Menace, and that's all he did. Now, yeah. do I think he deserves all the, the flack that he got? And no. And do I think all the pressure that everything happened with him and the fact that he's had so many mental problems, like, yeah, I, I feel so bad for him because like it has, again, I don't necessarily think it had a lot to do with Jake himself. Like I, like, I think maybe a, like another actor could have made it a little more compelling, but it's a lot of, there's just no, not good writing. Yeah, well, he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. Yeah, it's like there's nothing yeah. to work with. It's it's right. Yeah. And then yeah, no nobody nobody deserves to be bombarded with that kind of you know hate and teasing and I'm sure he got it relentlessly, you know. Yeah, at school, like it was in particularly yeah. like he got it at school. Jar Jar, 
who we'll talk about got it a lot worse oh. like elsewhere and he's yeah. getting his own episode everybody so he's getting his so we'll talk a little bit about him but we're gonna only talk a little bit about him in this one but okay so yeah so we'll we'll actually dive through with that so that was the so it's just anakin was not great but yeah. not necessarily jake's fault again right. i think it's a lot has a lot to do with the writing because i mean like not to jump ahead but like you even get christopher lee in attack of the clones and <laughs> yeah. like his acting is not great in that. Nope, not and particularly. Like, uh, so yeah. and like that's a that's a seasoned veteran that is not coming off real well. So, <laughs> but so we will our our last my last two things are both we, both we will do deep deeper dives on. But so we'll start with with Jar Jar Binks. A lot of people hated Jar Jar. A lot of people. Oh, yeah. I, I will say I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a fan of him. I don't like him. But, and so, like, the the big reasons or main reasons that we'll go even further into is that he's kind of out of place, like, just doesn't fit. He's potty humor, not a big fan of, that a lot of people aren't a fan of. And he has some, what some people would argue, like, racist overtones. Okay, and, I've never and, heard and, that and, argument, actually, but. At all. We'll we'll go we'll go deeper into it. He'll get his own episode because that's actually going to be our next episode. Oh, okay. So he'll he'll be our next episode, and then the episode after that will be about midi chlorians, and that's another thing that a lot of people didn't like because uh, the 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 idea that the force was cosmic, mystical, and ethereal thing was cool, not some strange biological sci-fi mumbo jumbo that Qui Gon tried to explain. It also introduced the preposterous concept to explain the force as if space magic needed explaining. Uh, I mean, that's it. The Guardian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's perfect. It, the idea that you only can be a Jedi if your Metachlorian count is high enough or whatever, you know, uh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. No, and we'll, we're going, we'll, we'll dive deeper on that Yeah. to, to get in there. So yeah, those are, those are a lot of our those are our big big problems with uh, and I, and I, and there are a lot of other issues I'm sure people have. If sure. you have any of those issues, feel free to contact us at who shot first swpod at gmail dot com and who shot one swpod. That's who shot one swpod at Twitter. So, yep. If you have any Reach of those, any us. any any new things, let us know. Yeah, uh, and we will try to either do a revisited or we'll bring them up later or respond yeah. to you. But yes. also, ideas for future topics are always appreciated. Always welcome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Because I have I have a lot of ideas, but right. we're going to run out of them eventually. So, yeah, and. You know, we'll, we can do we can do topics perhaps that are you know by popular demand. Who knows? Absolutely. Discussion. So, any other last final thoughts on uh, the Phantom Menace? Um, other than the fact that I I just to summarize that it's a that in my opinion it's an it's an okay movie with many flaws, but I don't think is uh, nearly as terrible or as bad a movie as some would perceive it to be mm -hmm. yeah so yeah no i would agree i still just i don't like it as a film so that's just my me personally but i'm i'm de definitely i'm not and that's what i want to portray to everyone else of like if you like start like the phantom menace good for you good job right like enjoy yeah. it like I have no problem, and that's the thing I don't like about fandom right now, is that if you don't like something or you like like, then everybody has to not like it. And if you like right. it, you're a problem. And yeah. I wanna I wanna portray that especially on this podcast and everything of like, I'm trying to give both sides. Like I don't necessarily like Phantom Menace, but I'm trying to show people like there are goods, there are positives in it. And yes. Like if you like it, that's awesome. That's great that you like it and enjoy it. Right. Don't let us tell. Don't let us change your mind or. Right. No. And I mean, yeah. like, it, 
the, only, the reason I'm doing this is to like put all the podcasts, all the controversies kind of in one place and give people a place to think about it and like do more research right. on their own if they want to. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's just like, cause especially with last Jedi, I'm noticing that more and more and I'm like, I'm a fan of it and you're not. And that's okay. And Oh, you're saying you're getting a lot of, you, whenever you say that, people are hating on it? Or well, it's, it's not you? even, like, that I am getting the hate because I don't really, like, put it out there on social media or whatever. But I'm just, like, yeah, literally, we can have a conversation and be, like, yep, you liked it, I didn't, or I liked it, you didn't. Okay, cool. Like, that's a good conversation. Doesn't matter. Right. But it's just, like, there's people out there who are just, like, nope, it's awful, and you, all, you don't know Star Wars, and it, <laughs> you destroyed yes. my childhood. And I'm just, like, no. You didn't. Right. And I will, I will say <laughs> I have evolved as a fan because I used to be, I couldn't believe if somebody liked the prequels. Right. And I was just like, what? You like those movies? That's, oh, I can't believe it. They're so bad. Blah, blah. And I am very glad that I have evolved. I'm very glad that I never was really on social media. And that, because <laughs> like, because I, because I'm fine having that conversation and like stuff with, in person. I'll be like, oh my gosh, you like that movie? How could you like that movie? Ah ha ha. And we can discuss yeah. it. That's different. But like with social media now, it's just like, oh, we're going to yell at people and not have a conversation. And so. Totally. Right. And you so, know, there are people who just, you know, the trolls out there who just are, you know. Yeah. And to start pick a fight with anybody. And we're going to do a, an episode about the fandom and everything the, <laughs> the fandom so sorry that i'll get off my soapbox but that was my big piece and so we want a positive um interaction with all of our fans and with with star wars in general so right um please remain positive like if you don't like what we're saying then let us know like in a positive way be like hey you didn't mention right. this or like hey you could talk better about this like please let us know right all right Awesome. Uh, and we're going to say goodbye with Never Tell Us the Odds. Never Tell Us the Odds. Boom. Never Tell Me the Odds. People are counting on us. The galaxy is counting on us. Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the Force. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> oh, really? You're cold? I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. I felt a great disturbance in the Force. As if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Don't you turn against me. Before the dark time. You underestimate my power. You thunder against me. You have done that yourself. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Lancelot Palpatine is evil. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. Bring balance to the force. Not leave it in darkness. You're not with me. Then you're my enemy. Now you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. You are the chosen one.